Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the West Connect podcast, where we help student athletes be successful on and off the field. I'm very excited to have two very close friends of mine from my vintage at Wesleyan, Chris Mead and Matt Wheeler. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Happy to be here. Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, a new venture, but um, first one with two people. So we'll see how this rolls. Um, and I guess as background, you know, full disclosure, we did play together um, and you all played with my brother as well. So these are two of my closest friends from school and I forced them to come on here and do this. So um, it'll be fun. Um, so maybe just kind of give brief backgrounds on yourselves personally, and then, you know, what that was like to be a student athlete at school, what years you were, all that kind of stuff. Sounds good. So Matt and I have about 20 years of experience of not talking over each other. So we'll, we'll do our best. Um, so my name is Chris Mead. I'm one of the co-founders of Sports Recruits, a business Matt and I started back in 2008 as lacrosse recruits. Um, we played lacrosse together at Wesleyan in between 2001 and 2005. We were captains together of the team in 2005. Do a quick uh, pat on our backs. It was the first year the men's lacrosse team went to the NCAA tournament. Rub it in a little bit, Brian. Uh, <laughs> I built, you know, we, we built the foundation for you guys, you know, the shoulders of giants kind of deal. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what I tell all the guys about. We were on the team who just won the national championship. Yeah, that's what I told you, Chad, Chad Malinowski as well. So Yeah, you, you could thank me. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up um, on a island off of Long Island, Fire Island, uh, which was kind of a, a weird, um, small local community, but it's mostly a, a summer um, escape for people from New York, but went to high school on the south shore of Long Island um, found my way to Wesleyan through a errant uh, tip from my high school lacrosse coach who told me to send a recruiting tape to Coach Silcott at Wesleyan University. Coach Silcott was actually the head coach at Trinity College. And uh, it's pretty funny that I ended up in the recruiting business after um, a mishap like that led me to Wesleyan. Is that true? I never knew that before. Yeah, so sent sent my one game tape that I had to the wrong coach, and uh, Coach Reba called me two days later and was like, uh, "You sent this video to the wrong coach, but we'd love to have you come up next week." <laughs> and that was it. I never made it to Trinity. That's why oh. Coach Reba is the best. You, you know, you, sometimes you make a mistake, but you know he'll, he'll forgive you for it. Um, yeah, I'm Matt Wheeler. Um, yeah, Chris is a uh, better half here at Sports Recruits. Um, I grew up in Connecticut, in Darien, Connecticut, and went to Brunswick, which is an all-boys school, um, a few towns over. I actually competed against Brian when he was at Albany Academy. Brunswick eked out a nice win. Um, recently found the VHS tape for that. False, um, false, false, false. It's, it's, on, it's on a VHS tape, so it's on YouTube if you want to find it. Um, but yeah, I found my way to, to Wesleyan in, um, you know, I guess a somewhat traditional way back how kind of recruiting worked back in, you know, 99, 2000, which was, you know, you go to two camps, you know, you hopefully get seen there, you, you zip around some VHS tapes, 
and that was that. Um, you know, the, the kind of the landscape is way different now, obviously. And, um, you know, when we were there, we only had, you know, 29, 32 guys on the team. Um, so uh, kind of the, 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 the process has changed a lot. And obviously, Chris and I know that um, from our business side. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we both had great experiences on the team there. Um, you know, very tight-knit group, again, being only 30 people. Um, you know, we all, we all were able to kind of really stick together. And, um, you know, I think that definitely helped us from that kind of your freshman year, Brian, when the team really broke onto the, um, the national scene and then, you know, a few NESCAP championship appearances, you know, a bunch of little threes. And, um, I think that the team really, we had a really good kind of group of guys. Yeah, obviously it was a tremendous experience. Um, and knowing you guys when you were freshmen and I guess even as recruits, um, it was pretty clear that you, you two in particular were going to be very dedicated kind of members of the team. But what was the experience like as a student athlete at school? We all have our own kind of journey. Um, so maybe, Chris, if you want to start, um, anything that, that you'd want to remark on that might be helpful for current athletes especially in this unusual time where there's really no sports happening yeah sure um i think my journey at wesleyan um you know like a lot of kids or you know students um i think freshman year was pretty eye-opening for me just from um, my experience at a public high school um, where I kind of skated along into what was a somewhat competitive academic environment, um, always welcoming, but definitely much higher um, standards than I think I was um, used to. So I think my um, transition lasted a little bit longer than, you know, I, I would have liked in, in hindsight. And I think the things that I started to take advantage of kind of as we progressed into, you know, sophomore and junior year from um, finding professors who are going to be, you know, advocates and, and help guide the way to, um, you know, using some of the writing resources and, and things like that, that, um, provided some guideposts um, or guide rails for me to make progress, you know, academically. And I, I think I always talk, tell my story of like where I progressed from freshman to junior year, it was like a pretty much huge gap, you know, from a, from a GPA perspective. And, um, you know, looking back at it in my mid thirties, like you're, all the things you do in life, you talk about your resume, you're building a story and like, what is your personal narrative? And my personal narrative ended up being one where it took me, you know, 18 to 24 months to really mature into what a student, what a student athlete should be at Wesleyan. And I think that was, you know, academically. And then that was also, you know, on the lacrosse field. So um, my, my advice would be take some time to, think about what that narrative, what your personal story is, and then what commitments you're going to make to that story to be successful. Yeah. And I hope and I, that doesn't sound 
too much like a, uh, you know, Tony Robbins speech. No, I think it's great. And, <clears throat> and we've talked about this with a few um, student athlete alums already, or I have rather. How do you kind of translate your experience as, as a student athlete into the professional realm in terms of how you leverage those skills that you acquired, um, what teamwork meant to you, what perseverance meant to you, and how do you kind of tell that to maybe somebody who's interviewing you for a position who, who maybe didn't play college sports, right? You've got to be able to kind of translate and, and really emphasize all those soft skills, leadership, et cetera, that you learned. And I think that's just as important, right? I mean, when you tell your own story, you're telling the arc of a narrative that you created and it does take time, you know, for you to practice that. And, and so I think that's really helpful. Um, Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what that transition was like for you all before we get into maybe talking about the company itself? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, a company of about 50 people and, you know, the, the large majority of them outside of, you know, engineers, you know, all played sports in college. So, um, you know, we've, and Chris has said this before, but, you know, when we transitioned from, you know, uh, uh, Wesleyan into the, our, our kind of brief stint in corporate America, and I don't know if you felt this, you know, Brian, in, in your career is, um, you know, what, it, what you end up looking for is that a team environment. Because you, you've had that on your lacrosse team. We were in a fraternity together too, which isn't really a thing anymore at Wesleyan, but that felt like a bit of a, a team as well. Then you transition into this, you know, work environment where you have, you know, um, people of all different ages and different parts of their career. And um, my experience was I didn't necessarily feel like, you know, kind of that was, uh, you know, kind of that was a, that was a team. Um, but in terms of transitioning into school, I thought it, into Wesleyan, I thought it was interesting just depending on, you know, you have people coming into Wesleyan from all different, you know, uh, all different parts of the country, all different you know, high school experiences. Um, and, you know, mine was, um, you know, going to, you know, an all boys private school and similar to you, Brian, like it, my high school experience was kind of like, uh, you know, not, not drill sergeant stuff, but like very regimented, you know, like I was, you know, up early, we were, you know, in school, then I was at hockey practice or lacrosse practice and it was an hour home. And then I was doing three hours of homework and I was going to bed. And like that was my day, five days a week. And so, um, I was fortunate that my, I found my high school experience um, uh, really prepared me for uh, for Wesley and, and and kind of it was it was I guess a smoother transition. That being said, you get to Wesleyan and you know you 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 think you're you know a smart kid at your high school, then you get to Wesleyan and there's <laughs> people are way way smarter than you, um, and so you still have to work hard just to you know eke out a uh, you know a, a you know respectable GPA, but. Um, um, not this again i think th this day and age i think kids lives are programmed even more than they were back then so maybe these transitions are easier this is a moot point but um i think the yeah i was fortunate to, i felt like i had some of that rigor just because of like what my day looked like in high school between getting from dairy and the greenwich and getting to school to practice back home and work and you know doing it waking up and doing it all over again i didn't really have much free time in college you have more free time I, just even that commuting i had you know two hours a day yeah. <clears throat> and, and we've talked about this too, with some other students who, you know, as a, we're both kind of all three of us children of 08 professionally, in some ways, we all kind of lived through that. 
um, right now there's some students going through some very unusual times on the hiring front. And I've had a couple conversations with uh, student athlete alums, kind of recent graduates who have lost their job or maybe were on track uh, to do something. And now they're frankly at home with a lot of time on their hands and going from, you know, that structure. And I love the word you use regimented going to every day, knowing where you're supposed to be when, and having a really full calendar to the other extreme where you've got a lot of time on your hands, it can be really discombobulating. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think that's important to, to maybe address and, and for some people networking and professional building and listening to these type of interviews and then reaching out to the Westin community can be a way that you can create that structure in your life and, you know, feel like you're being quote unquote productive every day. And that's one of the things that we're trying to teach people through these conversations are those soft skills of, of how you transition into corporate life, how you leverage the Westin community, how you leverage your particular sport and that world. So maybe if you all want to go into kind of, I think you both did brief stints in the corporate gig world, but you know, when did the, the genesis of the company idea start? And then how did you move on from that nine to five type setup to being full-time entrepreneurs? Sure. I'll kick this off. So um, Matt and I both, you know, graduated 2005, you know, at that point, you know, Brian around the same time, Brian, you went down the law path. We were kind of more in, into the business world, but um, it was, you went into finance or you went into consulting um, at that point. And, and those were kind of the, the two directions that you went. So um, I did a training program at a commercial real estate company in New York. Matt went into uh, reinsurance and, you know, th those were kind of, you know, standard paths at, at that point in time. And, you know, we, we can both talk about our individual experiences of, you know, how long it took us to, to realize that was probably not what we wanted to be doing for the rest of our lives. But, um, Part of my commercial real estate experience was I spent 12 months on a brokerage team where I was doing a lot of outreach and we were um, representing landlords, we were representing tenants in the New York commercial space. Uh, it gave me a lot of time to be on the phone and to network. And I was trying to obviously find new business leads, but it also gave me an avenue to have a ton of conversations with Wesleyan alumni. And pretty much I, I had a database of alum that were in New York, interesting um, industries. And I was, you know, 22, 23 years old, reaching out to really successful people who um, I would have never had access to at any other point in my life. And these people were making, you know, 30 minutes, 60 minutes to just have coffee with me and talk about commercial real estate opportunities, which quickly morphed into like, what are you doing with your life? What do you want to be doing? And those conversations were really important because I got to see a lot of different perspectives on a lot of different industries. And one of the, the best takeaways and bits of advice that I got from um, an alum who has you know been on the board, Strauss Zelnick, um, he was he was pretty clear where he was like, you just need to have this figured out by the time you're 30, 
figure out what you really want to be doing and have it set so there's a path that you can be successful and continue down that path for many years by the time you're 30. And I thought that that was really interesting because it put a lot of perspective into how we were going to use our 20s for trial and error um, to figure out what we wanted to be doing. And then to start thinking about things on a longer term horizon, but not necessarily, hey, do I wanna be in this commercial real estate job for the next 20 years? But go figure out what it is you want to be doing for the next 10 or 20 years. Um, so that was, you know, kind of my transition to get to a point where running a business, starting a business made sense. Um, and I guess I'll hand that over to Matt. I mean, what was kind of the, the setup for you to even be in a headspace to say, yeah, why, why not give this a go? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's important it's exciting for grads coming out of school now um, with all the different opportunities you have to um, kind of get into this, you know, vibrant kind of technology driven economy we had, where again, going back to 2005, it was, you know, everyone was trying to be an investment banker, which some people still want to do. Facebook had like 300 employees. Wesleyan was like the 14th school that got it. Um, you know, obviously there was no Instagram, there was no TikTok, like there was no, you know, almost any company that a, a grad wants to work for now, that's like a cool company, didn't even exist, you know, when we graduated. So, you know, you had very limited, you know, kind of go to insurance, go into banking, go to law school like Brian, maybe go to become a doctor um, or, so, you know, kind of maybe some like marketing jobs, but like it was, it was, it was, there wasn't very many exciting jobs. Um, and, um, the, the economy was really ripping in 2005 and 2006 and 2007. And, you know, you, you would think it, it would never come, you know, come crashing down. Uh, but I was kind of just prepared to do what most, um, you know, people were doing at that point, which is like, you do your two years, wherever the hell you do them, you take your GMATs, you go to business school, and then you kind of restart your career um, after that. And so I was taking my, my board. So I was already decided I was, I was kind of gone. Um, and, you know, Chris came up with this idea while um, kind of interacting with some student athletes, realizing that their kind of their college recruiting process was no better than ours was, even though now you had YouTube, you had kind of social network, you had kind of some ideas bopping around. And so we kind of grabbed ideas from different places, um, you know, and, and kind of ran with the idea. But I think the, the, in terms of kind of the, the regimented, you know, how, how do you kind of, how do some of these younger grads um, you know, who might be struggling to find a job or their company cut back or they had a job and it got taken away or whatever it might be. Um, I, I feel like, and, and I felt this way too, but I feel like when I got to my job the first day, I was like, all right, like, you know, I'm going to one day run this company or something along those lines. Like for whatever reason, I thought like, you know, I was just going to like blaze this path in this industry where, you know, with some perspective, um, you know, all of our friend group have, uh, you know, zigged and zagged, you know, over the years. Um, and even, you know, we did this uh, alumni, uh, we did this um, networking uh, event um, ran by uh, the, the, the current parents kind of put it together um, and, and uh, the Geller family hosted everyone at their office in New York. We had all the current players there and then alums from different kind of um, 
eras of Wesley and the Cross that all do kind of different um, things. And talking to a lot of the young, um, you know, sophomores, juniors, you know, Riley seniors, whatever, I could feel obviously there there uh, there was some stress, but I could feel that for some reason they think that this is such a straight line. Like I need to get this first job, and then you know then I'm off. When everybody in the panel had this career that went like this, every single person on the on the panel did, and so um, you know for for this group that are in this kind of uh, tough COVID environment, uh, I think this takes some solace in the fact that this is you know this is part of that zigzagging you know career path that you're going to be on. Um, and it's normal. It's, it's, it's what, you know, Chris and I went from having paying jobs to having zero, uh, zero, uh, uh revenue or zero, uh, salary. Um, and you know, it worked out okay. And so, um, you know, I think again, you have to lean on, you know, the, the network, I guess that's where, you know, some of the stuff that you work on Brian comes into play, but, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity and, um, you know, you obviously just have to go out and get it. Yeah. And that's something we talk about a lot too, in these conversations is it's not a straight line, right? It may seem like when you're a senior or a junior in school that, you know, graduates that are five or 10 years out, or maybe your parents' age, they were always in corporate banking or they were always an attorney or that company they started, it was always there. But when you actually sit down and do an informational interview and you ask them to, to tell, you know, the unadulterated story, Oftentimes, you know, I love the concept of the term zig and zag. It's always, you know, a fortuitous meeting or a failure or a reconnection with an alum. And then it turns into a new idea or a new company and they don't always work. But this misconception that, and I think especially within certain sports, let's be honest, you know, men's lacrosse, football, hockey, there is this sense that you're boxed in, that you're either going to do finance or law or some kind of big corporate gig when that's certainly not the case. When you actually sit down and talk to the, all the guys that we played with, they're now doing all kinds of different things, right? I mean, my brother is, is a teacher now and he loves it. He's very happy. I am a recovering attorney, right? I, I flamed out in law. It really wasn't the thing for me, but I went out of law school because I kind of ran out of ideas and I wish I had gone back and talked to more of the Wesleyan lacrosse you know, people that were five or 10 years ahead of me and really understood hey, what does a day-to-day life look like being an attorney? I just never did that. Um, and, and I wish I had, because I think I maybe would have saved myself three years of torture, but here we are. Um, and I like what, what Chris was saying about kind of that, give yourself a few years of trial and error, right? Try some different things on, talk to some people. What you do day one out of school is not what you're going to be doing 25 years after. So give yourself a little bit of a break. I think oftentimes, especially within the athlete community, very driven, determined, you've experienced success, high school and college. And then you enter into this world where, you know, success is termed differently. And, you know, you don't need to, to make up your whole career within the first two years that you get out of school. So give yourself a little bit of, of time and a break. Um, would you love know, to, I guess, go ahead, I'll, I'll just, interject there you know we're, we're talking earlier about you know the the personal narrative and you know advice that you know I try to give you know younger players or you know people who are looking for their first job is taking a step back and identifying what skills you think you possess 
that you can be really good at those things. And if you take away the title of what the job is, what are your skills that you're going to work on, read books at night, listen to podcasts, and that might be that might be leadership, that might be management, that might be sales, that might be data analytics. Like that could be a whole range of things, but take that away from the actual job function. And then the other part of that is the network and creating that regimented system of I'm going to add to my network because that network is always going to be with you. So if you do get laid off and you don't have a job, yes, it's terrible. You don't have a job, but you have this set of skills and you have the network and you're always going to be able to have those things. Like someday if Matt and I don't have sports recruits, we have a set of skills and we have a network and you're always going to carry those things through your career. Yeah. I love that. And again, as a professional who lived through 08, you know, when your boss comes into the room and says, Hey, you need to put all your stuff in a cardboard box. The next thing you do, you pick up the phone and you call people that you're close to. Right. And, you know, to use your example, if, if your company were to, to blow out or something were to occur, I mean, I hope I'd be one of the first calls that, that you guys make. And I mean, we've known each other a long time. I consider you very close friends. I would do anything to help you guys. Um, and, you know, I think some people um, don't realize that they have that kind of backing and network uh, because of the experience they had being student athletes at Wesleyan and they should leverage it. They should take advantage of it. And it also takes work to curate it, right? So oftentimes, especially go into corporate uh, environment or maybe extremely um, time constraining medical profession, oftentimes those employers want to make sure that you are just simply working and that you're not building those relationships, staying in touch with your network. And, you know, you need to have, you need to have time carved out and being really intentional about maintaining it because, I mean, unfortunately we had a kid that we played with, he passed away recently and it was awful. And it made me reconnect with some people that were, you know, I would consider friends of mine, but in retrospect, I hadn't seen them or talked to them in 10 years. Right. And so it made me reflect that I need to be more intentional about taking time to maintain those relationships because they will be there for you, but you need to be organized, intentional about maintaining them. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about kind of what that was like to step off the edge from, you know, a salaried position to starting this company, living in, in Matt's uh, dad's basement for a couple of years, if I recall correctly, and, and what that journey was like, how scary it was. Um, I'm sure there were kind of ups and downs, um, but would love to kind of hear the story about how it all actually got started. I mean, we had our own bedrooms. Chris was in my brother's race car bed. Um, down the hall we had our own rooms the, the basement was just the office the ping pong table I, i'm sorry i didn't mean i apologize i mean showed some proper respect um but uh yeah i mean in hindsight it was a it was a ridiculous idea like like what the hell were we doing um but you know again we were both thinking we we're gonna go to business school and so you know you, you draw up your pros and cons list and there's a lot more in the pros uh, column than the, the cons column, um, where, you know, again, we both figured worst case, we'll just continue on this, 
kind of uh, stereotypical path of going to business school, uh, and and you know, we we have a good story to tell, you know, if if we flamed out, um, and uh, we uh, we we put a lot of time into like writing a proper business plan, which I think was nice. Like we had we had some sort of plan going in. It wasn't like we just ripped a, the core. We kind of had spent a number of months like working through this business plan. We should bring we should. Um, you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll find that PDF and read it. And it's like, you know, it might as well be written in, it's like fiction. It's, it's, you know, it's, it could be further from what actually happened. Um, but it's good exercise nonetheless. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we had, a, you know, we had a good support group. I mean, you guys would, we'd send the t-shirts out, you guys would wear them. It'd make us feel good that we had friends supporting us. Um, and you know, lots of couches to stay on in different parts of the country when we were, you know, traveling for work. And so um, we were able to, again, lean on that, that Wesleyan network. And we, we raised some money through that Wesleyan network as well. Um, when we got the business started. Um, some alums that were, that were older than us that <clears throat> had some connection to athletics. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we just figured this would be the, the quickest way to, to learn as much as we uh, learned a lot about ourselves fast. Uh, and if it worked out and we, we built a business, great. If it, if it didn't, um, you know, then we would be, I guess, uh, have be failures and go to business school. Um, so I don't like, I don't think it was very heroic necessarily as I think we, we both were fortunate to have, again, that great Wesleyan education and, um, you know, a, a, a fallback plan if it didn't work out. But um, I think the real learnings have taken a decade, you know, they, they didn't happen in that first, you know, that, that, that first kind of time period when we got the business started. I mean, and I think anybody who starts a business there, there's a certain risk profile that um, they're comfortable with. And if you look back at both of our backgrounds, like I grew up and I had grew up in family businesses. My dad had a business. My grandfather had a business. Matt's dad was entrepreneurial. So, you know, we had that experience behind us. You know, Matt worked, I worked all through high school and college. We did different entrepreneurial things together. So there was that background. Um, and then I think a lot of student athletes will find themselves in that first year out of school where you're just missing being on a team been on teams your entire life um now all of a sudden you're in this corporate environment you're on a team but this is like the most dysfunctional team i've ever been a part of um so to be able to go down a path where you know we started a business helping customers who were essentially ourselves or our families you know, 10 years beforehand. So you had that motivation, um, you know, technology, like Matt was talking about, you know, when we were seniors, we were the 14th school to get Facebook. When we were getting lacrosse recruits started, Twitter had just launched. There were three minute video upload limits on YouTube. So like technology was really exciting. So it was like all of these things that there was excitement to make that leap oh, you get to build your own team and be part of something you really care about. You get to help people and feel good about what you're doing every day. And then there's this technology element that you know this is where the future's going. And it's also 2008, 2009. So the world is like falling apart. And 
yeah, why not be in Matt's parents' basement, you know, trying to get a business off the ground? So I, I think, you know, you take all of those things in. Um, yeah, looking back, people are like, you were 25, you moved into Matt's parents' basement. Like, that is, that is crazy. And yeah, it was. But like, if you have that in, in your mind, like, we just need to have this figured out by the time we're 30, or we could totally blow this up and go to business school and have a better story. Like, it just puts the risk in a different perspective. Yeah, I would echo that as an entrepreneur myself. Um, yeah, I would never start the company that I have now with kids and a mortgage and everything. But at the time I did it, you know, um, the downside wasn't that drastic in my opinion. And um, it probably was crazy to do it, but it's worked so far. Um, you guys mentioned... Um, kind of your hiring practices. And, and obviously you've got, I think you said 50 employees, which is just very impressive to me. Um, what do you look for uh, when you bring somebody onto the team? And I would assume that most of these employees are college athletes. Any advice that you would give um, to some prospective employees out there about how to position yourself, um, how to reach out, and then um, you know, oftentimes I think, and I, I tell people this all the time, you're probably not going to get your job by just responding to a listing. So I'd assume a lot of this is word of mouth introductions, uh, referrals. Does that all sound right? Yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, we've been doing this for 12 years. We've built a culture that, you know, revolves around like a collaborative environment. Um, people are very driven. I, uh, sometimes I, I like to just tell, you know, let, let people know how competitive it is to find a position at a, you know, relatively small company like ours, um, you know, for a, a junior sales role, you know, we'll have 3000 applicants for two positions for our summer internships. Like, we, we pull the stats of how many kids get, you know, offers for Google summer internships. We have the same percentages. Um, and that's not like trying to pat ourselves on the back. It, it's more just everything out there is super competitive and having some sort of connection, showing some sort of interest. And then knowing that when you're going through the application process, you have to go above and beyond to separate yourself out because there's somebody who went to just as good of a school, is a captain on another team who had a better GPA and you are out there trying to differentiate yourself. And I think like knowing that you're never going to skate through an interview process it is really important. Like that is just the start of like when things really get going with, with a company. Yeah. I think um, the, I like to think all of our, you know, Wesleyan folks listening to this, um, you know, are not going to do this, but you know, when Chris talks about the, the number of applications, you know, we can disqualify a lot of them because they're just careless and they're flyby. Like you're not going to, so don't do that, please. Um, 
you know, try to find opportunities and businesses that you're generally interested in because it's hard to fake. You know, like if you do get to the interview and you're trying to show you're excited and you're going to be a difference maker at the business, if it's, you know, if it's some like, um, you know, accounting startup or something and you hate accounting, you know, it's going to be the, the interviewer is going to be able to, um, you know, kind of uh, flesh that out. And so we like to, um, whatever that saying is about if you had four hours, you'd spend, you know, three hours, three and a half hours, you know, sharpening your, your, uh, I think Abraham Lincoln said or something, but, you know, spend more time at the front identifying opportunities and then really spend time on those opportunities versus spraying your resume to a hundred different companies and just hoping one of them um, lands. Um, and then the other thing that I think has been interesting looking at the arc of the business is we've, we've had a number of, um, we have a, uh, a, um, one of the guys in the leadership team at sports groups is a guy named Mike Robinson, who was 2000, I don't know, 11, 13, not, nine, I think. Nine. It's, it's just all blends. Yeah, it all you blends. You guys are getting too old, man. Yeah, it's like just, they were, you know, uh, after us. But, um, you know, when he, um, when he applied for a, a job that ultimately we, we gave to someone else, but through that process, it essentially became very clear that, you know, he, I think he even said the words like, I just want to be a part of the team, like plug me in somewhere, you know, and I'll, I'll find my way. And, you know, that, that has, has happened and he's, you know, kind of risen through the ranks and is, um, you know, kind of Chris and I's right, right hand man, if you will. Um, and so I think there's an aspect, again, depending on the size of the business that you're, that you're um, getting into where um, for us, you know, being, I don't know, when you started, we were probably like 15 or 20 people. And again, now we're um, a few times larger than that. But I think um, inherently as an athlete, you're able to adapt we like to think faster than um, a non-athlete just because of the adversity you've seen on the field, off the field, et cetera. Um, and uh, leaning on those skills in interviewing and saying, Hey, listen, like um, I'm going, again, I'm going to be a team player. It's been my whole life. Hopefully uh, that, that comes out of your resume, but essentially um, communicating that, you know, you are, um, you know, you're versatile and you're willing to, um, you know, wear different hats and, and, you know, you're, you're going to bring your, your game uh, every day. Um, and we've had, you know, again, a number of Wesleyan alums through the years, actually Mike was an intern for us. Um, so literally intern to employee to, you know, leadership team. So it, it, that's a good story, but um, yeah, I think the, the employees that we've had through the years have done the, have done the best for us, uh, you know, have kind of shown that kind of attitude of like, I'm, I'm going, I understand I have my role, but I'm not going to keep my blinders on. So I don't understand what's happening in other parts of the business because I want to bring value. Um, and I want to, um, you know, kind of help the business move forward, even if it's outside of my, again, my very specific role that I might have inside the business. And I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, Chris, you may be able to, but I think that's something that we've just kind of over and over seen of our kind of star employees have been able to do that. Yeah. And I mean, we have a bunch of examples and, you know, get your foot in the door at a company and then do a really good job and other opportunities will open up. So, you know, our examples are somebody who comes in and is on our customer success or support team who is now a product manager, somebody who has, you know, come in as that junior sales development rep who is now our, you know, head of sales. Um, so th those are all things that, you know, actually happen. I would say that the important piece there is that, 
whatever that job you're hired for, you need to perform at 110% to then start taking on the extra responsibility. It's not, oh, I'm in this job. Oh, like I'm going to do this customer support success role at like 85, 90%. And then, but I'm really more interested in product. Like you need to come in and just, you know, hit, hit the leather off the ball and, uh, you know, then you're going to get more projects. And I think, again, like that's just attacking that, you know, first year, figuring out what you're really interested in, um, being somebody that people within the company trust and, you know, want to give more responsibility. Yeah. And, and I've, since I've been started doing this, I've had more current students or maybe recent alums reach out to me and kind of say the same thing over and over again. But I often tell them, listen, you know, I took this call because we have an affinity relationship, right? We, we went to the same school, we play the same sport, you know, some people that I know, I'll give you 15, 20 minutes of my time. And I think Wesleyan will open up a lot of doors and afford you a lot of opportunities, but unless you're prepared for them, you know, that cliche is true that you only get to make that first impression once. And, you know, I had a call recently with a student who, or a recent alum, and, and I simply said, hey, you're just not ready for me to make any introductions for you yet. You, you just don't have your act together. Um, and so I, I think I'm hearing the same kind of things from you all that, you know, if, if, a, if a current student or a lacrosse player reach out to you, you probably give them time, but you still need to be a competitive candidate. Yeah, I mean, like, <clears throat> back in the day, we might take a, a more of a flyer if, the person was working directly for Chris and I, and it was, you know, if I'm, if I'm making the hire for the internship or whatever, and they're going to be kind of my problem, if you will, for the summer, then it's my decision. It's my problem. As the company gets bigger and that person isn't working directly for me, I, you know, the, that ship has kind of sailed at least at our business. And, and I felt that too, when I was, you know, leaning on Wesleyan connections to get interviews at different companies um, out of school where some guy way up high is like, all right, great. This guy carried my golf bag as a caddy. I'll get him an interview. I have the interview. And he says, all right, man, I've done my part. You're on your own. Like I can tell the interviewer you're a great kid and whatever, but you're not working directly for me. You're going to be working like 10 rungs below me. And I can't, you know, I'm, I can't push that higher through. And I feel like some people think that that kind of happens. Um, and it, it it certainly doesn't, you know, at, at a, it's just, it's just not fair to the, to the, um, you know, to the person who has to, you know, deal with the, with that person. So understand that if you're tapping someone at the top of the ladder, that that's just, you know, hopefully they can get you that interview, but you're, you're really on your own from, from, from there on out, unless it's a very special, a very special situation, I guess I could say. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And the same rings true for my company as well. Um, we have 15 employees and the HR side is very competitive. A lot of people want to be on the principal side of a commercial real estate company and there just aren't that many slots, right? So um, you need to be prepared once you get that opportunity. We're kind of bumping up against the hour period here and I want to be mindful of your time. Are there any kind of other, I think, just as importantly, things that you would make sure that people don't do as opposed to do do, but any advice there as current students, maybe juniors or seniors or recent graduates are looking to transition to the professional space that, that you might be able to provide them? 
Yeah, I would recommend using the Career Resource Center on campus. And I'm not sure what that looks like in COVID world. Um, and that may be a unpopular take depending on you know certain people's experiences. But the more reps you can get having conversations about yourself and what you bring to the table will make that phone call to an alumni more worthwhile. Um, will make that you know first job interview more productive. And I think you know if, if you're looking at it from like a reps perspective, you get on you know you reach out to. Brian to, you know, get, get an introduction or get some advice. And it's what, what's your story? How are you communicating that story in a short email? Now you get on the phone. How are you communicating that story on the phone with somebody? And what's your ask? Are you really asking somebody for introductions for your first job on that first phone call? No, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be asking for advice. You should be telling Brian your story, asking for feedback on that story. What would you recommend? What should I be doing moving forward? And it really comes down to reps and having more and more of those conversations. Um, and then you're going to be able to fine tune what that is. So when you walk in to that first job interview, you do not bomb it and it is not a total disaster. Uh, because those are things that I did, like, you know, in my suit, driving up to Boston for my first, you know, consulting interview, walking into a room and just getting totally worked. And on the way out, you know, some MD at Monitor Group grabs me and is like, look, like, we liked you. That's why we brought you in here. But you have so much work to do. And no, like, nobody ever told me that oh, I can't just go walk into some interview and think that I'm going to just like dazzle everybody in here. Um, so you need to think about it as like putting in the reps, you need to do the work and you need to have those conversations, use the Career Resource Center, do some mock interviews. Um, and that should be some of the first things you guys are doing sophomore and junior year. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the only thing I would say is uh, well, one, there's, uh, I know there's a good Wesleyan lacrosse LinkedIn group, and I'm sure there's maybe a LinkedIn group for this as well. Um, you know, spend some time going through, clicking through, looking at the companies. Oh, this company looks cool. This company, I don't, I'm not interested, whatever, kind of make a list of companies you're interested in. Um, but, you know, again, the, the takeaway I had from this little um, networking thing that the, the lacrosse team put on um, I guess right before kind of COVID hit, it was, you know, a great event. Coach Rebe came down. It was, it was really fun to, to see a bunch of um, alums and, and meet the current students is, you know, open your aperture a little bit to other opportunities. And again, I don't, I, I'm not sure what, if it comes from like billions or the movie wall street, like I'm not really sure where it comes from, but like, there's this like maniacal focus on like, I have to be a banker. And like, I, you know, Chris and I, and, and Brian, we have a lot of friends five years out, 10 years out, we're talking about like one in a hundred are still doing that. So like, just don't, don't get so, you know, focused on this like career. You don't even know what it is, by the way, you don't even know what you do once you're there. Um, you know, that could be part of the, the process of talk to someone. Tell me about your first two years. What was your day like? What time did you get to work? What time did you leave? Um, 
but I feel like there, the, the, there's so many, there's such, um, you know, talent and creativity in, in these current students. And, and I was just, you know, I was worried talking to so many of them that they were so focused on, I have to go and sit in front of three computer monitors and, you know, and, and play like, um, you know, Axel Rod uh, and, and Billions. Um, there's so many good opportunities out there that are not in banking. So if, if that's what you want, go for it. But, you know, also go after some other companies, go work at Peloton. Like there's all these awesome companies out there that you'll be able to draw on the same skills. Um, but I just worry that there's, there's, again, especially lacrosse and, and you mentioned some of the sports you're talking about. It's like, you're in, you feel like you're in a box. Like I have to go work in finance. Like that's what you do. You play lacrosse, play hockey and you go work in finance and you crush it. We're, you know, again, we're 15 years out and the number of our friends that are, that are still doing that is, um, you know, the, the drop-off rate is, is significant. Yeah. And a few follow-ups there. So this is technically through the A plus program, which there is an A plus uh, Wesley and page on LinkedIn that you can follow. would love to get some more people engaged there. And it is a great resource to reach out to people. If you do want to know what being investment banker is like, I interviewed Chad Malinowski who you know, triple major two sport captain at West and is now doing the deal at JP Morgan. And we talk pretty openly about this. It's not for everybody. Um, you know, there's some, there's some pros, but we had to reschedule, I think his interview two or three times because he works a lot. Um, and that's where early in your career doing these informational interviews, right? Like I love what Chris was saying, call me up. If you think you want to learn about commercial real estate, call me up, get 15 minutes on my calendar. I'll tell you the good, the bad, the ugly about what I do in the industry. And the only ask there is that you're learning something, right? And if you do that pretty consistently for your first one, two, three years, um, you'll get a pretty good sense of kind of what you do want to do and what you don't want to do. And I think what you don't want to do is, is probably more valuable than what you do want to do because as we discussed earlier in this conversation, you're going to end up doing probably you know, three or five things in the course of your first 10 years out of school. Um, so being open-minded is huge. Well, we're bumping up against the hour. I want to thank you guys for your time and the insight. It's been tremendous. Um, while we're on the record, I regret not investing in their company and now they won't let me. And the swag has stopped coming. So I'll send you guys offline my updated mailing address. I know you know, in New York, you might not know where Tennessee is, but we're down here. You can continue to send me the sports recruit stuff. It's okay. You know, send me the boys medium and we'll get it moving. But honestly, thank you. You know, Chris and Matt, some of my closest friends, and I really appreciate you guys taking the time. I know you're busy. So thank you for joining. And um, I assume it's okay. You know, somebody listens to this, if, if it's okay, if they reach out and uh, get some time in your calendar, maybe to learn a little bit more about what you guys do. Yes, absolutely. Go 100%. And it's very simple. Just Chris at sportsrecruits.com, Matt at sportsrecruits.com. We're more than happy to help out. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Take care.